0: Here we go, Revelations chapter 2, it's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. I'd encourage you, uh, get a Bible if you, if, um, if you don't bring a Bible to church, bring one. Uh, if you don't have one, you can always download the Restoration Church app and follow along with that, or uh, the Bible app, The best, one of the best is you version uh, for your smart devices. So let's go, Rest- Revelations chapter 2 it says this. I'm going to teach a little bit, so just bear with me, I'm going to teach and then We'll get into uh we'll get I'll preach a little bit, but let's let's there's some stuff you need to see here. Revelations chapter two. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? So this is the apostle John. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Write to the angel. I want you to understand this is not like a heavenly being. When he says write to the angel, this word angel literally means messenger. So all theologians really agree that when he's saying write to the angel, he's saying write to the messenger or write to the pastor. Write to the pastor. Write to the person that isn't going to be responsible for taking this letter and reading it to the congregation. So write to the angel of the church of Ephesus and say this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, And he who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Revelation is just, it's full of imagery that you really have to kind of go back and go, okay, what what does all this mean? These seven stars, again, are the the messengers. They're the pastors over these churches. So it says, say to the pastors of these churches, and the lampstands represent the churches. So... He says, he who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, God's presence is with us. And we know that verse two, he says, he begins to speak to the church. He says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patient, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have persevered and have patience and had labored for my name's sake and have not become weary but watch what he says nevertheless come on somebody say nevertheless nevertheless, nevertheless. these are jesus's words he's speaking red letters if you got a bible the red letters this is jesus speaking jesus said this nevertheless i have this against you that you have left your first love Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do your first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Verse six. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Notice God doesn't say I hate the Nicolaitans. He says, I hate the deeds, the sin. He doesn't say I hate the Nicolaitans. He says, I hate the deeds, their sin. Verse number seven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. Some would say that oh, but this letter was just written to the church in Ephesus. No, this letter was written to churches all throughout the course of time until Jesus' return. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. In the midst of the garden of paradise. Let me just read this one more time. Verse number four. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have left your first love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open every heart. Open every mind. Open every ear. To receive of your word. Change and challenge us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on. If you'll believe and receive that, why don't you say amen? Amen, amen and amen. Let me teach just a little bit. Let me teach. And I'm going to get, I'm gonna, I'll preach a little bit. I promise. So John... Who writes this is the same John that writes the gospel of John. He's the, book, the writer of the book of Revelations. And when John writes the book of Revelation, he's been banished to the island of Patmos because they've tried to kill John multiple times. At this point, he is the last remaining disciple that is alive. All the other disciples at this point have been martyred. All the other disciples uh, gave their lives for this faith. They walked with Jesus, they lived with Jesus, they believed his words, everything that they hung on it and they said, okay, Jesus, we're committed to building the church. And now here John is, they actually tried to kill John by boiling him in hot oil. And so they take John and they, and they try to boil him in hot oil and John will not die. So they tried every way to kill him. You know, let's just take him, let's just banish him to the island of Patmos. And so they take him and they banish him to this island. And this is where John receives this revelation from Jesus. This book was written uh, in about 95 A.D., And what I think is interesting is that as we begin this book of Revelation, which is a book really of future things, of things to come, some that I believe have already taken place, some of which I believe that we are actually living in now. And if you want me to geek out, I will geek out on some theology about eschatology because I love it. I love the study of end times and I'm not going to get into that in this series, but maybe in the future we'll talk about that. But what I love is that this is a book, the book of Revelation, it's a book about future things. But before we get to future things, Jesus shows up and says, I want you to write a letter to the current church, to the now church. But it's not just going to be a message to the now church. It's going to be a message that will extend out and reach throughout the uh, all of time. And even though that there's things that are to happen in the future, Jesus was saying there's things that we need to deal with now. And I believe that even tonight, God would say, I have purpose, I have destiny, I have future for you. There's things way off in the future that I see for you. But before you can get to those things, there's things that we need to deal with now. And so Jesus begins this whole book. By saying, "Okay, yes, there's future events that are to come and some of the events, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, will leave you scratching your head. They have left theologians for years scratching their heads and and trying to figure it all out because of all of all of the imagery and all of it that that's here in this book. But he starts it very plain, very simple by saying there are future things that are to come. But first we have to deal with the here and now. We have to deal with the heart. The order of this book is very strategic because God addressed the issues of the church, the issues of the heart, before he gave them a revelation of things to come. Isn't it funny that sometimes we want to skip to the revelation of things to come and not have to deal with the heart? Isn't that true, though? Like, okay, God, could, could I bypass like the, the stuff to where you're pointing out sin in my life? Can we bypass the, the, the part where you're going, okay, Craig, you need to give up this. Craig, you need to do that. Craig, and, and we're, we want to go, okay, let me just get to, can we skip to the good part? Anybody, if you know that. And, and a lot of times we, that's what we want. We just want to skip to the good part. And God goes, yes, we're going to get to the good part. We're going to get to the victory. We're going to get to all that. But we've got to deal with some things first. Somebody say amen or oh me, either one. I don't know. We want the blessing, but God wants our heart. We want the blessing, but God wants our heart. I want to show you something because in each week as we we go through uh, as we go through these seven letters, we're going to be on this series for seven weeks. We're going to take one break for a, a student takeover on August the 6th. On August the 6th, we're going to do a little student takeover. Our kids are going to lead us in worship, and we're going to pray for every uh, student, teacher, and administrator. Uh, anybody that works in education, we're going to pray over uh, each one of those. And so that's going to be awesome. We'll take a one-week break, and then we'll come back, and we'll we'll continue the series. But in each letter, there's this. I want you to see this. It's going to be on the screen. In, in every letter, there's a commendation. This is what you're doing good. See, some of y'all thought y'all were the inventor of uh, the compliment sandwich. Y'all know what that is? Y'all thought y'all are the inventor of that, but no. Jesus, way back when, he did the compliment sandwich. Watch this. He goes, commendation, this is what you're doing good. And then he goes, correction, this is what you're not, this is what you're doing not so good, right? This is where you can improve. Then he comes and he gives them some counsel, on how to fix it. And then the fourth thing that he does is he comes back and he kind of like picks them up and he brings the cheer. And if you do this, this is what you'll get. Anybody do that with your kids? Maybe you're uh, in a boss. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that. And when your boss starts and they're like, hey, you're doing really good in this area, you know it's coming, right? You're like, oh, okay, all right, I, I know what's coming next. Just go ahead and tell me. You can cut to the chase. You don't have to. Some of you are like, some people in this room are like, don't give me all the fluff. Just, just get to the point. Just tell me. But Jesus goes, I've got commendation in every letter, I've got correction, I've got counsel, and I've got promise. Jesus hits the compliment sandwich. So for the commendation, this is what he says. Verse number two. We're going to walk through this systematically today. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. And that you cannot bear with those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles, but are not. And have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. And have not become weary. Jesus says, hey, look, you're, you're doing some good, good things. The works, I would equate to this. He said, look, you've been consistent. You've been faithful. You've continued to work. You've continued to labor. You didn't give up. In the face of persecution, you didn't stop going. You you kept giving to the church. You kept praying. You kept fasting. You kept reading. You you took a stand for righteousness. You labored. You worked for God. I would say it's this. Works look like this. Works are the personal spiritual practices and then you've got labor which looks like building the church so he said look you you i know your works and i know your labor i know that you've continued fasting i know that you've can praying. I know that you've continued serving God. I know that you've, and then I know, know that you're also laboring to build my kingdom. I know that you're doing all those things. Great job. But then here comes the correction. Verse number four, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you have lost that love and feeling. You think he said that? I don't know that love and feeling come on y'all are uptight you lost that love and oh yeah see we got a few people now it's gone gone okay all right y'all are it is uh, cold in this first presbyterian church tonight that's all right you lost that loving feeling He said, nevertheless, I have this against you that you lost your first love. Because watch me now. You can do all the right things. You can say all the right things. You can have the bumper sticker on your car. You can bring the Bible. Like You can do all the things. You continue to live in righteousness, hate sin, take a stand, all of this. But we can somehow lose our first love. We can show up to church faithfully every Sunday night. You can even crack this Bible open, but there becomes a point where this can become out of ritual and religion rather than relationship. And if you're in any type of relationship, the last thing that you would want from a friend, the last thing that you would want from a spouse is them to do things just out of ritual, right? Just because I have to do, I feel like I have to do this. If I'm going to be a Christian, this is what I have to do. If I'm going to live for God, this is what I have to do. Nobody ever wants you to do something because you have to do it. And I don't believe that God is any different. He doesn't want us to serve him out of a, I have to. Oh, man, if I'm going to get into heaven, I have to do this. It's not about just like getting into heaven. No, it's about living a life where we prosper in the fullness of God's presence and his love and everything that he has for us. And we don't live in that place if we live in a I have to. And that's what Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to a church that says you show up and you serve and you do all the right things. But somewhere along the line, you have lost that loving feeling, and it's possible to do all the right things and show up and, but you're just going through the motions. We can begin to do things out of religion and not relationship. Watch this. Watch what Matthew chapter seven says, it says, not everyone who says to me, this is one of the scariest verses in all the Bible. Not anyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven, but who but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And you're like, I, well, I thought these things were. I, like, I mean, these are the things we talk about. and These are the things we preach about, reading and praying and, and fasting. Right. But where is the heart behind it? That's exactly what Jesus is addressing in this. He said, look, not everybody that says Lord to Lord, 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 because if you're just ritual, if it's not about drawing close, if it's just going through the motion, if there's no meaning behind it, listen, there's a lot of philanthropists in the world that do lots of great things, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what matters. And he's saying, look, there's a lot of people that are gonna say, Lord, Lord, many of you will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never what? Knew you. Because it's not about doing, it's about knowing. Watch this. Religion is this. Religion, show me this, y'all. Religion is this. Religion is doing, and relationship is this, it's knowing. I don't want to just do church. I don't want to just do Christianity. I want to be a Christian. I I don't want to just get good at doing this thing called church. No, I want to show up and truly know God and encounter God. And the only way that we keep the love alive for God and for Jesus is if we're continually engaging with all of our heart. And it's not just a ritual. Are you with me tonight? So how do we know that we're doing the commandments? Because Again, he says, look, if you know me, how do we? Jesus said it this way in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. But notice, keeping my commandments is not out of a ritual or out of religion. Keeping the commandments is out of what? Love. And so the way that we approach this whole thing has to be with a heart of love. I love you. God, because I love you, because you died on the cross for me, because you took the nails, because you took the stripes on your back, because you took my place, because I don't have to spend an eternity in hell, because I don't have to spend uh, an eternity without God, separated from Jesus, because you did that, because you love me, I want to obey your commands. Out of a love, it's our first love. Our doing should flow out of, watch this, a knowing. Because we know and love him, action flows out of that. It's not an act of trying to earn anything, but obedience in response of our love for him and and his love for us. Obedience should be an overflow of our love for Christ. If your Christian walk is lacking love, if it's lacking passion, if you're beginning to grow cold, it's time that we go back to the beginning and have an encounter with the Holy Spirit and rekindle that love. So there's the commendation, this is, this is his counsel. So this is what he says, okay. He says, this is, you're doing great in this area, this is what I have against you. Now he comes back, he's like, here's the, here's the plan to fix the problem. The counsel is this, remember therefore, where you have fallen from, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly And remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I'm going to break this down. So I believe that there's three things that that Jesus really says in this passage. And they're this. Remember, repent, and return. Remember, repent, and return. If you ever find yourself in a place where you've lost that loving feeling, that place that's it's time to get to a place to where you remember. Can I say this to maybe some of my people who have been here since the very beginning? We talked today uh, in, our, in our serve team huddle before service, and we were standing out in the lobby. And it was just a year ago that it was a group of about 30 to 40, sometimes 50 people, meeting right out there in that massive lobby. And we would have just an acoustic guitar And one person singing, sometimes maybe two people singing out there on a worship team. And we begin to dream about what would happen here and what would take place here. And it's really easy that as we commit and we go, you know what, we're going to commit to build a church. And as... Uh, our serve team has said, I'm going to commit to build a church. And as you guys have said, I'm going to commit to build a church. It can be really easy to get in the grind of building and working and serving and showing up early and staying late and putting in the extra hours and doing all these things. And it can be really easy to fall in this rut of doing. And we forget it's not about doing, it's about knowing. And we can get to a place to where we can really lose our first love. And, and it's like, we get so caught up in the, in the service Serving. We get so caught up in the making a service happen and, and getting everything in this place looking great for the guests and, and the people that will show up to church. that so we can get so involved in all of that that we lose our first love. We can get uh, what, what people like to call in the church world. We can get burnout. And really we can come to that place to where we just need to get back and draw close and we need to remember, you've got to remember, think back on the time when you got saved. Think back on what it was the first time that God touched you and you fell so in love with him. Remember those times that you were in his word and you would hear him speak. Go back to the the journals where you wrote out and open up those old journals and read back on some of the things that God spoke to you two and three years ago, maybe just a year ago and rekindle some of that I've got all of the the letters that Shannon and I wrote each other uh, in in high school and because we used to write letters I know now you just send a text message right but uh in the old day we had we'd do notebook paper for all the kids in the room all right uh we would take notebook paper and and we'd write out these letters and then you fold them in these cute little shapes or whatever you know and, and occasionally I'll, I'll take those letters out because I'll be like, you know, she used to. No, I'm just kidding. She still is. Uh, but occasionally you just bring out those letters and, and, and you read those letters because you just you remember. And it's the same way that we encounter God and we encountered his presence for the first. Sometimes you need to just close your eyes and go back to that moment and remember God when you when you. T- and, and if you're in this place tonight. And I would say this, maybe you haven't had that moment yet. Maybe tonight is that night. And if you get two and three years down the road and you've lost that loving feeling, then you need to come back to tonight. Because in the end, we're going to open up the altar for a time just of of worship and prayer and and repentance, because the first thing is this, it's remember. So some of you are going to come to the altar and you're going to remember and you're going to look back and you're going to go, you know what? Yes, God, I remember how you touched me. But this is what I love. Let's go to first Corinthians. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said this. In 1 Corinthians, this is when he's uh, instituting communion. He says this, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. What do you do? Do this in what? Remembrance. Remembrance of me. And then in verse 25, he goes on to say, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is my new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in what? In remembrance of me. Sometimes that's the importance of communion is that it is an act of remembering that as we take the bread and as we take the cup, we're looking back and we're remembering and we're going, thank you, Jesus. It keeps us in a place of thankfulness. It keeps us in a place of gratefulness. That's why once a month on the first Sunday night of every month, we're going to take communion. Why? Because it, it causes us to look back and remember how good our God is. We have to remember. So if you're taking notes, the first one is remember. Secondly is this, we repent. Repent simply means this, to change your mind. Maybe you've allowed yourself to get bitter. You've gotten hurt by someone or the church has hurt you and you've allowed offense to cause you to lose your love for Christ. I'll say this, and this is true about our relationship with God or any relationship, is that offense is a love killer. When you take on offense, it's, it's a love killer. We will get offended over anything and everything. There's a spirit of offense in our world today. And it's so easy. You get offended by just something somebody posts on Facebook. They don't ever even know that you're mad at them, but you're mad at them because of something they posted on Facebook. And you're like, how could they do that and post that or say that or believe that And then you're like, because we're on opposite ends of belief, I don't like that person. I've got an offense. And then you see him out. And when you see him out, things are all awkward. Why? Because you're offended for no reason. Offense is a love killer. That part was free. It wasn't in my notes. So-and-so didn't talk to me last week. Pastor Craig is always talking about giving. They schedule me to serve too much. So-and-so said that we were gonna do this and we didn't do it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Offense is a love killer. Then we take on that offense. How do we get out of a spirit of offense? We repent, we change our mind, we change our outlook. Instead of going, that person is bad because of blah, 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 we go, you know what? That person is, and they're just a person. I'm not perfect. We begin to change our mind on things. You left the church because you were mad or what? You know what? I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure their intentions are right. I'm sure their heart. We begin to change our mind on things. The Bible says that we need to repent. Maybe there's some things that you've allowed in your life over time that have been a love killer. Maybe there's some things in your heart that you've allowed and it is has it squelched out your love. And you need to change your mind about the sin, about the addiction, about the lifestyle, about whatever it is that you've let in your life. You need to change your mind about it and repent and turn back to God. Acts 319 said, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. But I love what it says here, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How do you get that love and feeling back? You repent. You change your mind. That's not a popular word in church today, I know, but we've got to repent. And then finally, we return. Returning is this. Returning is getting back to the things that you did when you first got saved. And I would, I would classify it as this. I'm going to ask that the band comes back. And I classify it as this. I would say that returning looks like this. What are those things that you first did when you got saved that were just like life-giving? You were like, oh man, I I can't get enough of, I can't get enough of this. Oh, I just, I want to come to church and I want to worship. I want to open this Bible because every time I open this Bible, man, God is speaking and saying something to me. Oh, I want to get in prayer because every time I get in prayer, I I feel his presence. I, I hear his voice and so there's three things that I would say that really constitute the return is this. I would say it consists of worship, word, and witnessing. First is this, worship is us telling God how much we love him. When we come into God's presence and we're singing these songs to him and we're lifting him up and we're, we're telling God how good he is and we sing this song like we sang tonight that you're still my first love, God. You're still my first love. There's nothing else that compares to you. And we sing these songs and and we declare our love for him. And it begins to stir something up on the inside of us. Remember when you used to worship with uh, an exuberance and, and an excitement? I can always tell the newly saved person in the crowd by the way that they worship. Why? Because they are all in. They don't care what anybody else thinks. They're like, I just gave my life to God. He saved me, got me off drugs, got me off addiction, put my marriage back together, whatever it is. God is good and I'm going to worship and I don't care. But it can be over the years that we watch the hands go from here to to clinch in the back pew or the back seat. You're kind of like, I ain't worshiping. It's going to have to be my song. How many of you saw our Instagram post yesterday of the dude worshiping? He said, when the worship singer, uh, just go, go watch it. It's funny. But some of us will just grab a hold. and we're like, I'm not today. But what happens when we just begin to lift our hands and just go, you're still my first love. You're still my only one. You're still my first love. You're still my only one. And we just begin to worship. There's something that happens. There's a there's a change that that happens. It's, it's us telling God how much we love him. Worship is this. Worship is, is intimacy with God. It's drawing close to God. It's telling him how good he is. And it's no difference than than in any relationship. Let me let me speak to a, a marriage relationship. Marriage relationships take intimacy, and before the guys get all excited and start amening, intimacy looks a lot different in a a lot of different contexts and a lot of different ways. It's not just physical intimacy, but in a relationship around that two-year mark, that newness can kind of fade away. Honeymoon phase kind of fades away. Because there becomes an intimacy issue. But it's not just the physical, it's, it's emotional. It happens in deep conversations. It happens in sweet text messages that are sent. It happens in quality time that is spent together. It happens in an embrace that isn't tied to an expectation. And it fosters this intimacy in our natural marriage relationships. And it's a gift that God gave to us. But it's no different that as we'll draw draw close to God in worship, that it's intimacy with God. God, I love you. God, I thank you. And God, the Bible said that if we would draw close to him, he would draw close to us. So we draw close. Third is, or second is this. So number one is worship. Number two is this word. And word is this. So worship is us telling God how much we love him. Word is God telling us how much he loves us. When you open up this Bible, he begins to speak to us. The more he speaks, the more it sparks that love of our relationship. Some people will say, you know what? I've read this book cover to cover. (laughs) I'm, I'm good. I've read this, so many of these stories, time and time and time again. But every time I read this Bible, God speaks to me. If I told you tonight, if I said, you know, we're going to make your favorite meal, we're going to make filet and we're going to have lobster on the side and it's your favorite meal. Y'all wouldn't be like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm all right. No, you'd be like, let's do it because it's my favorite meal. But then why, when God is trying to serve us up, what our spirit and our heart needs, we're like, ah, I read it before, heard that before. Heard that message before. Ah, yep, no, I'm good. I've been to church. Uh, It's it's this series. I probably already know what he's going to say. But guess what? We serve a God that can speak to you right where you are. And it doesn't matter how many times you've read this book. You need this book because it's God telling the church how much he loves us. Stand on your feet. And I'm going to close. And the third one is this. It's witness. Witness. Witness is simply this. It's us declaring our love for God to others. How do we rekindle that first love? Do you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? You told everybody. People would be like, something's different about you. You came into work with a a crazy little grin, smile on your face. What happened? I got to tell you what happened at church yesterday. I've been carrying burden. I've been carrying depression. I've been carrying whatever. And God touched me and I'm free. And you got to come to church with me next week. And when God really begins to do something in your life, you begin to tell other people about it. And when the Bible says return, I believe that there's three things that we can do to return. And that's worship, get in his word, and begin to tell other people. Because what happens is when you watch other people's lives get changed because of the testimony that's coming out of your life, that's real impact. You, you can't. When you walk away from a conversation and somebody's like, I'm coming to church with you on Sunday or I'm giving or can you pray with me or whatever? You walk away on cloud nine, feeling closer to Jesus, full of his love. Why? Because you're drawing close. You're returning to the first love. So we remember. We repent. And we return. So that's the way I want to I want to close out this service. And I think we all can fall in one of those categories and we're going to open this altar we're going to sing this song first love but i want to close i'm just going to invite everybody to the altar and the church in ephesus was a church that had lost its first love was going through the motions still reading still praying still fasting still doing all the works It was laboring. It was helping build the kingdom. It was taking care of orphans and widows. And it was playing the role of the church. But it had lost its first love. And watch this. Because this is. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Because watch this. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove you from your lampstand and from its place. He said, if you've lost your first love, you've lost your effectiveness. If you're not serving God with passion and with the fire and with all of your heart and with love, you've lost your effectiveness. And if you've lost your effectiveness, there's really no need for you because a a lamp is placed on a lampstand to give light. And if Restoration Church loses its first love, if I lose my first love, God goes, I'm going to remove you off this lampstand because you're no longer being effective because your job is to shine bright for all the world to see. So God says, I'll remove you from that lampstand, but come on, we're going to be a church that gets back to the first love that when things get tough and things get difficult and we fall in a rut and we keep going through the same motions that we go, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to let offense get in my way. But I'm going to get back to worship, word, and witness so that God can do something amazing.